Welcome back. Thank you once again for hanging out with us. This is the one and only IT and the D show. We are at episode 429. I'm your host, Bob Waltonspiel, alongside producer Randy Walker. Guest this week, recruiter extraordinaire. We haven't talked about the job market in well over a year. Um, and we got one of the best in the business. Matt Turner is in the house. You can find us online, itinthed.com. Do us a favor. Give us a like on the socials. Subscribe to us everywhere. Fine podcasts are sold. Don't forget, check out meetup.com slash itinthed to see where we're at. We are going to be uh, at Yield Saloon on March 24th. We fell on March 17th, St. Patty's, and we decided not to have a meetup that day for obvious reasons. So catch us on the 24th, Yield Saloon. Um, we're probably going to stick around Royal Oak. I think about booking at Hamlin Corner, Randy. Um, keep us keep us in the Royal Oak area, Ferndale area, uh, for the remainder of the year. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show again. It's uh, it's good to be here. No, absolutely. We uh, it's funny when we think about recruiters from from IT and the D. We always think about the the mainstays that have been coming to the events for years and years and years. And even though you haven't been to the events, you have like literally been recruiting for like the last eight years at the same place. So a kudos for that. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a feat in these days to, uh, to stick around that long. But, uh, you know, I just want to congratulate you on your, on your, on your run. Yeah. Thank, thanks. I'm, uh, I'm actually excited to transition into a new company here soon. And, uh, my first day is next Monday. So, Looking forward to that and some change in a new environment. Nice. Um, one of the reasons I wanted you on, and you know, we haven't talked. Things shift, things change, skill shifts change. Interviewing during COVID has changed, right? And we really haven't tackled it. In in not saying I don't know where to start, but uh, but I kind of do. Like, talk to me about you know from going from in person to um keeping hiring up during when you can't really meet people. Um, there's, there's, there's just such a dynamic when you're face to face that you can't get over, you know, over video calls. How did you adjust to, to uh, maintaining status quo, you know, remotely? Yeah. So we did that for a couple months back in 2020 before my last company had brought us back on site. Um, you know, it's a lot of video conferencing, video calls, prepping your candidates, I mean, you really don't want to show up in a like a dirty T-shirt to an interview. I'd still say business casual. Did that happen? Uh, I mean, yeah, pe- people get so comfortable being at home. Uh, <laughs> you just never know what people are going to do. Um, I'd say like a couple of the biggest things that I've noticed is everyone's getting so many calls, so many LinkedIn messages, so many emails, probably on a daily basis if they're good. Um, and when people start looking for work, they start interviewing with a lot of different companies at the same time and they don't keep themselves organized. So there would be times where I'd get somebody who applied to a job and I'd call them and they didn't even know who I was because they hadn't, they hadn't paid attention to their calendar, hadn't planned things out, hadn't done any research. And I'll tell you that that's such a negative feeling for a recruiter to pick up the phone, call you, and then you have no idea who they are at a scheduled time. So like as a candidate, I'd always say, make sure like plan out your calendar, make a spreadsheet, set your Google calendar reminders. If you don't have them, make sure you're giving yourself, you know, a couple minutes to prep, read up on the company and, you know, seem truly interested in the job because you don't want to waste your own time anyways. 
why, why would you interview for a company you're not interested in their products and stuff? And I've just seen candidates, they're just like fielding calls um, and going through the motions. And it's, it's honestly wasting their own time too. I don't get it. It's, uh, you know, this day and age, is it young? Is it old? Is it a mix? Like, is it where, is it prevalent in one like age of range of people or is it everyone? I couldn't tell because it's all over the phone, you know? Uh, (laughs) No, good point. Good point. I just, I just don't get it. Like typically, you know, when you're in an interview, like you're, this is your, this is your, you know, Sunday best, man. You're, you're putting on you know, you're putting on the, the face and I, you know, again, I don't know why people even accept some of these calls. I've heard what was, um, Randy, do you remember the stat? Was it 90%? This was, I mean, granted this was temp work, but like no shows at interviews was in the, it was really high eighty yeah. or 90%. And I'm like, uh, you know, granted I've only known professional being in it all these years. Um, did you have no shows? I only had one, but the thing is, you know, having just come off the other side of the candidate side myself, I've noticed a lot of recruiters, they don't sell their companies in their initial call. They don't really go into depth. They get very basic information. And I mean, when I was talking to recruiters looking for a new position, I was surprised at kind of the lack of detail they were gathering from candidates and sort of the lack of selling I I heard from a lot of them. So I mean, make sure you know what you want when you're going into interview for a job and let them let the recruiter know like, hey, I want I want a job where I can work full time remote ahead of time. I'm looking for a job where you guys are staying up to date on technology. I don't want to work with something that's 10 years old. You have options now. If you're in IT and you're good at what you could do, you can pick and choose what you want. But I just say ask a lot of questions up front so you don't get deep into a process with a job you don't you're not even interested in. Yeah, no, that's it's interesting. I like I don't I keep hearing all these horror stories about recruiters and you know, I me being in sales, you know, there's there's, you know, three bad salespeople make a hundred look like look like garbage, sure. right? But you hear these stories of like <laughs> like you follow if you follow Reddit recruiting hell, you know, R slash recruiting hell, you you know, like a recruiter just reached out to me to interview me for the job that I'm hiring for. Like you hear <laughs> these kinds of stories <laughs> and like saying, I'm, I've never coded in my life yet. People reach out to me and ask me if I want to be like a, a Java developer. And I get like, that all the time. Well, you know what? I think a lot of that, is, personally, if you want my personal opinion on that, I think a lot of that is, is these recruiters are a lot of the major tech companies just from talking to recruiters in there. They're very metrics focused. So they want X amount of calls a week, X amount of interviews a week. And so these recruiters, you know, rather doing the smart thing about get, hiring the right person at the end and not worrying about all that garbage up front, are just reaching out to everybody so that their numbers look good for their bosses because they're not focused on the end result and the quality. They're focused on hitting these numbers because they think, hey, if they reach out to these many people, we're going to convert to this many hires. Now, that that could be true on, on, on a younger and that, that's more likely in a younger recruiter. You know, somebody who's got 10 years of experience probably isn't going to do that to you. But it's yeah. just kind of the way that people learn how to recruit. But also, they don't really get a ton of training on the job. So I think if companies focused more on training for quality and looking for things rather than just making X amount of calls a day, you get less of those. Well, and that's like, you know, they don't even need to know the technologies involved. They just need to check that box. Like if they see, you know, .NET, Java, 
you know, Ruby on a resume, and that's what the requirements are, you know, voila. But it, it just seems to me like there's there's this massive disconnect um, with understanding technology and, and recruiting for it. I don't, you know, you don't need to know what the hell that stuff is. Just need to know that they did it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's if you're qualifying a job with a hiring leader, you really want to find out what technologies they're doing. And I'd recommend just going out and, and looking them up to kind of have a general understanding of things and, you know, get some technical screening questions. But really, most recruiters don't have a technical background. I'm lucky enough to, to have an education that's technical, um, but most don't. Well, I mean, a lot of that, too, is spending time um, with with hiring managers, with engineers, with you know, the, like when my first sales job, I would take out customers afterwards for dinner or for beers or whatever. And, you know, why do you buy our stuff? And they would yeah, just write I, a lot of all these things. And I'm like, oh, and then I would use that in my sales pitch, right? It would, it, what did, it wasn't rocket science. It was just figuring this stuff out. I've always done the same thing. Just taking people out to, uh, you know, Moose Preserve or somewhere else, going out for drinks after work and, just kind of getting to know people better and knowing a little bit more about where their group's going. Yeah. I think it's really important at the end of the day, as a recruiter, your job is to be a relationship builder. Oh, totally. Totally. You're, you're as much sales as anyone on that floor. Yeah. You're just, you're selling a company to a person and a, a person to a company. So I recently switched uh, professions, not professions, jobs, companies, and I wanted to, I wanted to set them up to fail, and I asked the the the, the million dollar question. So, talk to me about me being a culture fit in your company, and it was the most brilliant answer, and it won me over. Uh, you had me at hello, right? She says uh, we're not looking for culture fits; we're looking for culture contributors. Um, I want to get your take because I think culture is like the most oversold thing in in businesses today. Um, we're, we're, it's far, it's the farthest from the truth. Talk. What's your take on 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 that that word and that phrase and that that I think horrible salesmanship on on corporate culture? Yeah, I mean, I think it, when we were all in the office, maybe it it made quite a bit more more difference. But when you're doing you know Slack or Teams calls throughout the week and and focusing on getting some code out. Um, I don't know how much that really is going to translate back into your day-to-day life. I well, mean, you guys may do virtual virtual things every once in a while as a team for, for team building. But, um, I mean... You know, Dave, I, we used to talk all the time about, I, I don't want to hire anyone I can't have a beer with. And I, I, I did agree with him up until maybe like five years ago. Um, and I'm like, that is probably the worst thing you could ever do. Because all you're doing then is hiring you. Sure. Right? And, you know, you're not getting, you know, you don't want 15 clones on the floor. You want people that think differently. Um, I'm not, you know, that react differently, that have different mindsets, that have different thought processes, right? Um, so, like, my involvement turned into, like, this, the I wanted to like culture fit is like the super friends. You don't need, you know, you have Superman being the alpha. You don't need 12 supermen. You don't need 
you have you need you need a Wonder Woman, you need a Flash, you need a Batman, you need a, an Aquaman. But yeah, absolutely. In every role, you're going to need somebody different. You know, some people thrive in environments where they don't need a lot of self direction because they're self directed, and there's other people where the role itself, like they're doing a task and and they're getting a lot of direction on it and they're not really going above and beyond to do other things. So I think you're totally right. It, it's dependent on the position, right? Um, yeah. And what you need out of the person in the position. You obviously don't want a jerk no matter what. I mean, right. that's not good for anybody. Well, you need you, somebody who, what's that? How do you sniff that out? Uh, the way they talk about their last employer, um, their relationships, things like that. And you can just tell from tone on the phone if they're very negative, things like that. And then as you get deeper into interviews, more and more things will come out. Um, so, hey, how'd you, how'd you guys work together as a team? What did you do? And, oh, I did all this. And it, there's just different different ways of asking questions um, and just sort of a negative attitude. You can, Anyone can tell when someone's being negative. Right? It's pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. Well, how do you smell? I guess you know the million dollar question. How do you smell bullshit? Um, are are you like not connecting the dots right? Are That's, they are they you know a lot you of follow up really- questions? Uh, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time, so when people give me surface level questions on stuff, I dig. Uh, if it's very general responses to things that aren't specific to a situation, that should send up some red flags to most recruiters. Um, if they're giving you textbook answers versus situational. Um, those are things you want to dive into to see if they've actually done them. Well, that was a, it's funny you bring that up because when in the interview process, I was talking to two or about three or four different companies and one of them was basically, tell me about a time when, tell me about a time when, tell me about a time when, tell me about a time when. And like, I, I had like, I think I went through seven interviews because I went through the whole process and got to the final round and everyone I talked to. Tell me about a time when. Tell me about a time when. And literally, it was it was mentally exhausting. And I wanted at the end of it, I didn't even want in. Like I wanted, I wanted to run. Um, thankfully, I I chose. You know, I you know went somewhere else. But that you know what, you know, is that used? Is, what's the st- is that a purposeful style to be situational? I don't like it, and I don't like the nine hour interviews either. When the people run them through gauntlets and ask 20 times how somebody failed. Um, I get it. You're trying to understand how they respond to failure and how they can push forward, but everyone knows what you're trying to do and those types of questions. I, I, I just, it, it should be like, Hey, okay. So I see you did this uh, in your work. So walk me through the project you guys were working on and, and uh, what did you specifically do on this? Okay. Here's, Here's what I did. And then kind of diving into details on those things to really understand if they did them. And then I think there are good there. It is good to kind of t- dive into some of those behavioral questions. But honestly, you should be able to get the person's behavior through the interview. Right. And you you look at other things, too, like their tenure. The guys work somewhere for five years at every job. You really think he's a huge jerk who blames everything on everybody else? I'd say Probably not if he's a, right. got a progressive career, things like that. So, you know, I am really not a huge fan of all the repetitive type questions. I always felt like you can probably get everything you need out of an interview with somebody within a total amount of time of three to four hours from start to finish. So one of my favorite questions was always for like an IT tech or an engineer. I was asking them, what did you do in your last outage? 
And the 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 beautiful thing about that question is there's no wrong answer. I just want to know who you are in the Justice League. Because right. if you said I did everything myself, right? You're 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 one of those. Or if you said I assembled a, a super team, you know, and I and I ring led, okay, you're one of those, or I called Microsoft support, right? Yeah. Um, and you kind of need one of those in each one of those in your organization. Um, I guess depending on what you need, but it's you know, I always liked those kind of questions where, you know. I'm not trying to gotcha. I just, I right. just want to know. I just want to know who the hell you are. Well, you got to get more of an honest answer too, right? Everyone's going to be prepared for the gotcha questions. Um, nobody's going to self-incriminate. No, <laughs> <You> right. <know>? <laughs> so yeah, it's, I, screwed, I, I pushed the button, screwed it all up. Right. I mean, at, at the end of the day, most employers just want to make sure that you're you're accountable to what you do. See, my right. worst, uh, my worst interview experience of all time, and my most that I, I'll never, I'll never forget it for as long as I live was with Google cloud. And, you know, I studied so much that I could practically probably pass an engineer exam right now. I'm just kidding. I couldn't. Um, but they, you know, I got to, it was a tribunal. You never interviewed with someone that you'd report to or work with. Um, it was like, okay, you're going to, the VP of professional services out of, uh, San Jose. And he, then he, then he asked me this. He, it wasn't like that stupid, how many marbles are in in this jar question, but he asked me, Hey, your buddy calls you and his restaurant's failing. And he asks for your help. What are you, what are you doing? What are you talking about right now? And luckily I watched enough bar rescue to start talking about <laughs> revenue and food costs. And, you know, first you have the, you know, the plus side and you have the minus side and, you know, and I'm throwing in like all every, every, you know, then you got to Google what's proper food costs and what's proper labor cost, right? Oh, I couldn't have answered this thing any better. And I, I literally went three and a half months with Google. They sent me a congratulations email th- that actually stated it's harder to get into Harvard to, than to this stage in the, in the interview process with Google. And how much money do you <laughs> want? How much money do you want? Here's a blank check. And, uh, and that, and then two weeks later, they're like, "Yeah, no, we move forward with someone else." Yeah, I had, I you know, I I interviewed with one of the big tech companies on on the West Coast myself, and it was a very long process, and I found that it was just a lot different than than what you know I'm used to doing in terms of interviewing, and and it was like six hours of tell me about a time when you failed. Like when did, when did this not go well? I'm like, don't you want to hear about anything I've done? <laughs> right. It's been good. <laughs> I got to, uh, twice. I got asked, tell me why I know why you're great. Tell me why you suck. Right. It was, and, that, then, that's- and then he says, what would your, what would your best friend say? The three, three worst things about you are. And of course that was easy. I said, fat, drunk, and stupid. I said, what did you know? <laughs> and everybody started laughing and I'm like, you know, what, what else is he going to call me? You know what I mean? If your best friend right. doesn't call you an F face, he's not your best friend. Um, right. Um, moving on from that. So trends, I'm just curious. Cause everyone always like, what's the next big thing. And I had a conversation yesterday with one of the soccer dads. He goes, my kid wants to major in blockchain. I was like, Oh God, please. No. Oh God, please. No, no. Stop him right now. And I said, just, you know, tell him to get into like either cybersecurity or like AI ML, like, please, for the love of God, don't have him. you know, we don't know where it's going yet. Yeah, at least in the corporate world, what you know, what have you seen or like some trends and like for kind of you know, we always talk starting a help desk, figure out what you like. 
Um, yeah. What's the market like now for for what people? Um, what's what's the strongest needs and kind of going down the list of top to bottom or top to mid? You know. I mean, there's there's always needs across the board for devs and QAs and server admins. But if you're talking about trending things, um, moving over to containerization, you know, using Docker and Kubernetes, um, and then a lot a lot of companies are moving over to using cloud-based infrastructure on AWS or Azure. Um, so they're looking for more of that. Uh, in addition to that, you kind of mentioned earlier, machine learning has been picking up. In my experience, at least here in the West, we don't have a lot of machine learning engineers that are have a lot of on-the-job experience. Most of them are working as researchers at universities. And then you've got some of the folks who worked in the big three um, doing the uh, self-driving car stuff. So if you're talking chatbots or, oh, image, uh, optical uh, image scanning uh, for document scanning, things like that, it's pretty limited. There's a couple of companies around here have done that. So it's definitely a growing field. And so if you want to get into that, you know, learning one of those machine learning platforms and and getting getting proficient in Python is definitely uh, worthwhile. I told him data science too. Um, uh, correct me. If yeah, I'm wrong. I mean, business intelligence has been. I mean, the company I was with, we didn't really heavily invest into it. We always talked about it for about five or six years, but really never took a leap into it. But I know that's been a growing field as well. Um, you know, learning how to use your data, right? So, uh, yeah, different business intelligence tools as well. Well, if you look at like that's what you know, kind of the things I'm working on now. It's not even just the data repository it's what are we doing with it right. how are we making it look pretty what how are we you know shaping it so we can use it right and then where the hell are we storing it i mean there's there's you know it's to say that it's complex is 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 accurate um and you know and the always be learning thing i think i don't know do you get us so I, here's a good question because this is something i always toyed around with and like especially in like a help desk role and you have some people that just want to be at the help desk and they're completely content with it and their lifers there and there's nothing wrong with that. Then you have some people that want to be a data scientist or want to be a C level. Um, how do you figure out the ones that are just content or is that, is that frowned upon or what, what's your take? Cause I always thought that was a positive. Hey, if you're happy and you're doing a great job, like if you want to stick in that role and, and you know, you like coming to, you know, the, the, the punch a clock thing, like, great. Um, what's your take on that? I've been doing the same job for 16 years. So, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, um, no, it's not the same. Cause I mean, it's different jobs, different people. I like, sure. you know, and I, I guess they could say the same thing too. If you're dealing with a desk, Hey, it's different problems, different, uh, yeah, different you're probably different tech stack, different problems. Right. I mean, as long as it's something that interests you on a day-to-day basis, why, why do you need to go be a, leader. I mean, not everyone's interested in leading other people. Um, and if you want, if you want something and you want to grow into an area and you're the company that has the budget or is growing, then you talk to your leader about it, say, I've got an interest in this. And then you start learning it on the side, or if they're willing to support you on the job, then you get support through them as well. And, and then down the line, you apply internally. Well, there was a, I was drinking with one of the senior, like one of the big senior execs at Cisco in Vegas one year. And he kind of grabs me by the collar or the lapel, whatever, in my jacket. And he goes, Bobby, 
He goes, every three years, either move up or move out. And I kind of, I, I was kind of taken back by it. And I don't, is that horrible advice, medium advice, like great advice? Well, you know, I think you get a, <laughs> you know, I think I'd look at the retirement package they're offering you at any company. Is you got a pension? Do you, right. do you have a really high matching 401k? If you don't, well, I mean, I, I don't think that long-term loyalty that we saw in the, in the, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s by companies to their employees is really there anymore. I think what? the average, average IT uh, worker is like 18 months in a job. Uh, I'd have to look it back up again, but that was the last number I heard. That was, uh, I was 135% of my number on a pretty big number. And I was part of a layoff because I was bottom of the totem pole in the team that I was in. Um, so yeah, right after that, I was like, yeah, there's, there's no loyalty in this space. It's, you know, um, I've, I've known some really great people that miss two quarters, you know, they'll blow out their number, miss two quarters and then get fired. I mean, I think if you can show up to a company, um, work there for a year, show them what they you can do. And if you're blowing them away, they, they're willing to pay you more to keep you there than, and they're willing to you know, invest in you. That's the company you stay with. I mean, my last company, that's kind of what happened to me. And I got in a situation that was pretty much still impossible to match in terms of compensation. So I think proving your worth with an employer and if they're willing to recognize it is just what you got to do. And if they're not, then I uh, personally, my personal thing is I would stay anywhere at least two years. Yeah, I would say at least two years, uh, and and nobody's at this point in time and twenty twenty two is going to bat an eye. Um, if you're switching jobs every six to twelve months, that's going to be cause for concern because we don't know if there's any performance issues that you're you're having. Um, maybe you you don't get along with people, and, right? And that's an issue. You know, it's it's going to bring up red flags in an interview, and you're going to have a lot harder time interviewing if you job hop a lot. So how do we, um, you know, I, I read all the time. I've sent 90, 90 resumes out and I can't get anyone to call me. Um, <laughs> a, what, are they, what are they doing wrong? And B, how do they get your attention? I mean, like I said, you shouldn't even have to send out a resume at this point in time. You know, with this job change, I was getting reached out to three times a day. Granted, I, I've got a lot of experience, but um, you, you just got to format, lay out your experience well. You know, I would just say... Highlight what's important to an employer, what you think is your top skills. And I guess you're going back to that sending out 90 applications. Maybe are you applying for the right jobs? You know, are, are you a QA who wants to be a software developer, but has been a manual QA for 15 years and has never done software development? That's probably why you're not getting calls back. Um, I'd say if, if you're looking to change fields, um, in terms of what you do, try to do that internally with your company because no matter what, like people want to pay you for your experience. So you're probably going to take a pay cut if you're jumping jobs to a different company um, for different um, type of work. Uh, try to do that within a company versus jumping. You're going to end up making more money that way. But with sending out resumes, I mean, don't send me a resume that's job templates online. I can I see them all day long, and I I know the wording. I can literally put it in Google and see that you just ripped it from a template. I need to know what you've actually done. Like, don't give me generic experience. Make it specific. Tell us about the project if you can. Don't make it too verbose. I I 
don't want to see any eight-page resumes. I mean, four pages probably max. Uh, you can summarize any experience in that. What you did 25 years ago isn't relevant to today. I'd say keep it in five to 10 years at the most. And you can kind of just, if you want to, add your employers without experience at the bottom of your resume, just showing that you have worked for a significantly longer period of time. But, you know, keep it relevant to your skills. And I don't need to know every step of your software development lifecycle and every minor task you did. <laughs> like we can get, we get it. You know, y- you can have eight bullet points per job as long as they are specific. You know, I worked on a, a, a you know, we worked in an um, agile project on two week sprints, you know, and I developed code in C sharp and, you know, did some experience and with Java on the front end and, and SQL server and T SQL on the back end. like just be specific with the tools and skills you're using. Also when recruiters are searching, if you're putting in the technology too, I mean, that's how we search it's on keywords. So make sure that you have keywords in your resume, but don't just list a bunch of keywords at the bottom. I've seen that before, like make it like, integrated into your story so, so they put the i always heard they put the keywords in in, in uh, white font so it doesn't show up but it shows up on the uh on the on the keyboard yeah, but here's the thing i'm still gonna pass in your resume if it shows me you have no experience in that like okay great you yeah. showed up in a search but if i'm looking through your last two or three jobs and you haven't worked with it i'm still not gonna call you so are you reading so this is gonna answer a qu- argument we've had for a while are you uh are you actually reading it or is it going through a keyword filter Oh, I, I can, I scan it, but I'd say in most resumes, it's like five to 10 seconds. I can scan through to see if you're a fit, but I've been, well, doing I mean, that's the thing that, like my, mine is, you know, a three sentence summary at the top, you know, 16 keywords, like, you know, competencies. And then I go through my job experience. They're not reading. No one's reading any of it. They're just going what I've, what I've been, what I'm doing. Right. I mean, people are pretty, really going to focus on your your like last two or th- probably your last five years of experience, right? If that's two or three jobs, so that's what's most important. You know, once we start getting page three and four, no one really cares because it's what do you remember from five years ago? Yeah, like no, yeah. right. So uh, I mean, highlighting like, hey, I've got fifteen years of experience in this field. Um, I'm I'm extremely knowledgeable in X, Y, and Z technologies. Here's my education, blah, blah, blah. Um, but you don't need to. If I see one job and it's a full page describing that one position and you've worked there for a year or two years, like I, you just can't communicate. Like I, you need to be able to summarize your experience in a resume. You're that not- was the, and that was uh, one of my, when we spoke once at a shifting gears event and someone asked me like, Hey, uh, Bob, you're in the back of the room. You're a guest speaker next, but what's the best resume? And I'm like, the one that gets you a job. Yeah, exactly. And they they said, well, expand on that. I go, I got an HP with a Microsoft template. You know, this isn't rocket science. I didn't, you know, the last thing. Now, I guess, you know, you're probably going to agree with me, but like, I think resume writers are the biggest uh, snake oil salespeople like going on right now. I don't want anybody writing like if, if that's those, those are my words, how am I going to speak to them? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, you, you should be able to describe your, if, if you need somebody to write a resume for you, then how are you going to do in an interview if you can't talk about your experience? 
Like you have to be able to explain your experience. I mean, uh, my LinkedIn profile is basically my resume. It's the same thing. And because I was at a job for seven and a half years, my bullet points, I'm looking through it right now. I got one, two, three. 13 bullet points on that job for seven and a half years of experience. So, I mean, that I did a lot. I went above and beyond in terms of functions versus just recruiting. So I included that information in there. Um, So, and I get hit up, like I said, when I was had myself open to work, I was getting hit up two to three times a day. Well, it's, it's apparent when, especially like these days being somewhere that long, you're going to get hit up. It's just, it's the nature of the beast. Um, You know, I was, I've consistently just because of being the IT and the D being visible and and having is like, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'll get hit up. And, and some of them are good. Some of them aren't very good. And and there's a few in between, but I feel like, you know, once you get into like, you know, enterprise account management, um, you know, they want to know, you know, I'm, where was I uh, interviewing with? Oh, the last time. And he says, uh, one of it was calling on GM. He goes, have you ever called on GM? I said, no. And this was like the last interview and they threw me out. You know, and the other guy's like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. You'll, you'll, you'll be fine. And then when we got to like the senior vice president, he's like, you know, so like you wanted that on my resume. Did you ever call on them? Nope. You're out. You know, <laughs> what's, um, you know, speaking of like you're out or whatever, what's, uh, is there like key indicators that like people do and like on the resume or on and like an interview that just is like red flag city done? I'm, uh, you, you know, are you, have you got it down that focused where you can just right as soon as they say something, you're done with them? Um, it, it, again, it kind of going circling back. It's just getting to specifics on their experience. And, and if somebody's talking very in general or said that the team did this and I'm like, no, I just want to know what you did, like the work you performed, not the team. Where you're being very, like, almost dodging the question. Um, being having a direct answer to a question is what you want to do. But it's but it's funny you say that because I've heard feedback from some people that say they want to know that you're not a me 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 I I person that you were part of a team, right? But you could like, you, you could say, hey, uh, you know, on, on this project. Um, I, you know, we, we worked, we worked on this, but uh, what I was focused on was that. Or fair, fair, whatever. fair, fair. Yeah, yeah. Cause I always said, they always said, don't put, I did, I did, I did. Cause they're like, well, you did it. Like, don't you have an SC? Don't you have a, you know, someone writing your, uh, your, your RFPs? You know what I mean? I'm like, oh yeah. Then it's not I, I, I. So yeah, I was just curious about that. Yeah. It's, and you can tell if somebody's not paying attention. I mean, if you're, answering a call from a recruiter and you have this scheduled, they didn't call you out of the blue. It's scheduled and, and you've got stuff going on that you should be in a room that's quiet. Like you shouldn't be out shopping at that time. We shouldn't have to, you shouldn't be saying like, Oh, can you hold on for a second? Like those are things where it's just, you're not respecting the recruiter's time. Please like, those are ha- big Please tell me that's not happened. Oh yeah, absolutely. People there. I mean, there are, like I said, people will forget that we have scheduled interviews, like stuff like that. And they've done no research. Hey, what do you know about us? Oh, nothing. Do you know where we're located? No. Oh, we're located in Michigan and you're in New York City. Are you looking to relocate? Oh, no. I just want something in New York. Like just, just like I said, mindlessly applying to jobs without, I would say the worst source of resumes is probably Indeed. 
because I feel like everyone on Indeed just mass applies to anything with a job title. Right. So when they say, what do you know about us? What, you know, how much do you want to know? Like, cause obviously you can go oh, to not, not much at all. I, honestly, like when I was, inter- when I was interviewing, I just 10 minutes personally, like I would look them up. Like if you have a bunch of interviews going on, well, Hey, you've already got this scheduled out 10 minutes beforehand, go to the website, look at the about us page, learn some normal stats, you know, Hey, if they're a public company, wow, you guys tripled your stock price in the last three years. That's pretty amazing. How are you guys doing that? It's a conversation starter. Um, those that, that was actually something I said to one of them, and it's they're not expecting it because candidates do so little prep nowadays that it's going to set you apart. Oh, he's actually interested in working here. He's interested in our products and what we do. Right. I just that always seems so really disingenuous because I would read the, the you know their their financials and I'm like, oh wow, you're you know you got a new CEO six months ago. You know, I, I you know sometimes I didn't frame them into questions, which I probably should have. But that that's good. That's a good call out. Yeah. I mean, you made an effort <laughs> you right. know, more so than a lot of people. <laughs> you took the time to do go out of your way and do something that's showing me, hey, this guy's willing to dig a little bit. So there was one, uh, the last one, the last round of interviews I did, I actually went out and got sales certified in their product. Um, didn't matter. <laughs> but I went and did it, you know, because that was uh, way back in the day. I, I figured out I, I'm going to make a 30, 60, 90 plan and I'm going to give a PowerPoint of like what I envision my, my life to be. Um, and that, that's what set me apart on probably two or three jobs that I've gotten over the last 15 years um, nice. was kind of building that, you know, just my vision of what I saw, what I was going to, my activity, you know, what I thought I was going to do just kind of, you know, and it wasn't even fancy. It was just, you know, I went, I did it and the other person didn't. Right. Yeah. No, I, you know, I um, when I was going through this interviewing phase, I'll, I'll tell you what I did. Is I have you ever used OneNote? Yeah, live it, oh, yeah. love it. Yeah, I, I know not everyone has. You know, I mean, pretty much everyone's got OneNote, right? Like even if you're on a, a Mac. But it's available, I would, yeah. What if like let's say you're like going active in the job market? I'll tell you how I kept myself organized. Is I just made like tabs of each company on there, and then I had like. You can interview with a couple, like you can respond to some recruiters. And if you haven't interviewed in a long time, just take their calls and just get some interview practice out of it. I mean, I wouldn't really try to waste their time, but if you're rusty, you you might as well just talk to people. um, Even if you're not super interested in it, as long as they're soliciting you, if you're applying, you should be interested in the job. But if you can solicitations and they want to explain to you the company, then that gives you a little bit of practice of being on the phone again. Um, so I would just kind of break everything down in there. Like I'm looking at it. I'm like, what are some passive talent methods that I can remember that I did wrote everything down there? Difficult hiring managers I've worked with. What are my hire ratios? Like, Hey, what, what's, what's to know about this company? Just some general facts. So I can spit that back to them. Um, how we do intake meetings. What, and then just having questions for interviewers. No one ever like, no one ever really asks recruiters questions, and I don't know how well they do in interviews, but hey, what's a typical day in this role? What's your expectations for my first 90 days? What what do successful team members do? Like what is your what does leadership think about your team's performance right now? Like, why do you like working here? Those are all great questions to ask in an interview. Right. Um, so what's a good I think, answer. What's a good answer for uh, why why are you leaving or why'd you leave that job or why why are you leaving this job? 
I, it just depends on your situation, right? I could mean, be, I, could you be brutally honest and just say, you know, I'm always honest. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing. I'm sure that I've missed out on opportunities for that, but guess what? I know that that company doesn't appreciate honesty. And so I probably don't want to work for them anyways. Yeah. I'm, I'm always brutally honest, like to a fault. So that's, I, the one that's thing. just the way I go. It took me a long time, but that's the one thing that I'm doing now is I'm being, you know, this is, this is who you're getting. Um, yeah. And, and the company that I went to um, embraces it. And, you know, I had to do, you know, we had our our weekly call with the whole entire Detroit office, 300 people. And uh, me and someone else, because we're both on leadership, got to do two slides. One is, hey, here's me. Here's my background. Here's my, you know. And then one was like a photo slide. And I'll be damned if I didn't put like, here's me and Road Warrior Animal. And here's <laughs> me, you know, with my Pabst jacket in Vegas. You know what I mean? Because I'm like. No, I'm not going to hide that stuff. That's who I am. That's part of my life. Um, Yeah. And I think a lot of people do. And that's why they're probably not happy in their jobs. So again, I, for me, it's always been just being honest about stuff. Uh, I mean, there, again, you're in a job market right now where there are so many jobs available. If you feel like you got to lie to a company to get a job there, do you really want to work for that company? No, point taken. So what's um what's the whole deal with? I never really got an answer from anyone, or I never really talked much about it. But I keep hearing about this this great resignation post COVID. Um, is it what? What's your take on that? Because you know, and, and are people just leaving? What they're you know? Well, what- I think I think uh, what has happened is. You know, we went to this remote work society for most companies. And so now instead of competing with a local market for talent, you're competing nationally. So, you know, when I was talking to half the companies I talked to were in like California and on the West Coast or Texas or, you know, somewhere out of state where in the past it'd be like, yeah, you got to relocate over here. Well, that's not going to work for me. Now with everyone be able to be productive from home and companies trusting in that, Hey, I'm going to give you a $20,000 signing bonus and 20 grand more to work for us. And you can do it all from home. Great. <laughs> you know, right. Sign me up. So uh, I think it's just competition. You know, you're, you're, you're no longer uh, isolated. Everything's connected and, and everyone's willing to take a chance on <laughs> remote workers now, whereas in the past it was kind of limited. And that's the thing. It's almost like, yeah, it's a bidding war for 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 top talent because I my friends great. Have, my friends have a startup in Ann Arbor, and I noticed their inside rep was in Texas, and I'm like, it's kind of weird. But then you look at their product; it's not Michigan agnostic. You look at how they can work; it's not doesn't need to be an office. So I'm like, they found the best person that they that they really really liked that just happened to be out of state, and so be it. Yeah, you know I'm. Uh... I, I get most of the opportunities I was interviewed. I even interviewed with a company out of Argentina, like, but I found a local company that I'm really interested in. I'm going to be remote working, but they're in Ann Arbor if I wanted to go meet up with people. So that's kind of nice. But again, I, you know, in general, tech workers don't mind working at home. You know, you can always go meet up with friends at the bar. They, I mean, do, I, they do more. Um, you know, I remember someone that I worked with that, you know, severe PTSD and you know, his ex military um, and he was diagnosed bipolar and he liked coding at three in the morning and I sure. let him and I let him um, the company didn't want me to, 
let him. <laughs> but I'll be damned if that he didn't get his best workout when he was doing when he was doing when he was comfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. No, uh, in, in twenty twenty when we went home at my last company, I ended up placing I think ninety people because we we're all allowed to work remote. Um, and then they called us back in in spring of last year to work full time on site. And so that, I mean, I, I had 25 declined offers after that. I think it was my worst year in, in eight years with like 57 hires. So it just, people really want to work remote. <laughs> well, just, once you, uh, you know, once you say you can wear tennis shoes and jeans to the office, you know what I mean? Get them to put dress pants back on. So true. <laughs> it's not, you know, once you're like, well, wait a minute, I didn't lose an ounce of productivity. Um, I'll be honest. We're, I'm getting a little, you know, the Teams call fatigue and the Zoom call fatigue is is a is a thing. Um, there's this weird dichotomy when you're on a Zoom or a Teams call. Like you feel bad, like eating snacks or drinking a water, or like stretching your feet. Or like if I was sitting in a, in a boardroom with you, I could totally just do that and be casual. But it seems like you have this this expectation to have your eyes up. Like if you're typing, it's like, are you taking notes or are you surfing Reddit? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, unless you're unless you're a CNN anchor, <laughs> right? Right, with, with pants off. Uh, yeah, yeah. Only, uh, only Fridays is no pants, you know. Well, I mean, who needs meetings, right? I mean, how many meetings are you dealing with a day? I, I like to get them done in the morning, first thing. Hey, you got your coffee in, you got ready to go. Take care of your meetings and. Yeah. My End favorite day meme ever. Ugh. Favorite meme ever is the uh, the Shiba Inu standing up on the conference room table, and the caption is, uh, "This meeting could have been an email." Uh, I, I'm not a fan of the uh, meetings that could be emails either. Um, and I had a lot, you know, being being at home, I I didn't have that many meetings. I mean, we would meet it, I think, as a team once a week just to see what's going on. And you're just you're in constant contact, anyways, on Slack or Teams, like what. Unless there's something that needs to be addressed to the whole group well, see, that you guys need to discuss. What, I think it depends. I'm, I'm customer facing and my, the majority of my job is relationship building. So it's, 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 there's a, there's a, there's a lot, you know, especially dealing in, internal, internal people, external vendors. You know what I mean? It's, it's a, that, you know, and I don't mind it. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. You know, put me in front of a microphone and let me talk to people. No, you know, um, <laughs> but you know, yeah, you know, I'll never, I'll never discount a, a relationship building meeting as a meeting. Cause I think it's all worthwhile. So, Oh, um, I, I was talking about like the group meetings, you know, the, yeah. the one-on-one, the one-on-ones. I mean, those are all the time. Hey, you get a minute for a chat and those honestly, when I've done those, cause you do those as a recruiter too, you want to make sure you're on the same page as your customer who's a hiring leader. You're going to talk to them on video anyways. And, but those usually are, I don't know, 10 to 20 minutes, but it's not all day long. Well, I mean, it, that was one of the funniest answers I ever gave. I, my honest answer I gave, they're like, Hey, did you ever have a executive, a, executive engagement where you brought in one of your C or, you know, uh, EVPs or something to talk to a C level at a client? I said, yeah, I brought in so-and-so to talk to, you know, the, the CIO at the, you know, fortune 100. And he's like, how impactful was it? What did it, what did they talk about? I go, honestly, they talked about fishing for 20 minutes <laughs> and that was it. Did they talk about work? I go, yeah, just a thanks for your business. You know, Bob's taking, is Bob taking good care of you? You know what I mean? I go, 
So don't think like all these meetings are impactful. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's, <laughs> they, you know, doing any hunting or what, you know, play tennis. Like you got to find that one, you know, the one thing I found out was, um, someone explained how Joe Rogan does it. And it's funny. Cause I do it too. Is you, you know, you like 50 things. They like 50 things, find the three that you both like, and then just freaking talk about them. And, oh, and that's kind of how to, how to break, those, break those walls. Yeah. I mean, it's very easy to me to talk to parents of twins because yeah, it's right. my entire life. So yeah, that's uh, it, it, absolutely. You find out common interests or, and you just kind of walk down that path. That's, basic relationship building so any uh you know before we part ways any uh million dollar advice for for the job seeking community or the or the job stayers what's a you know especially these days what's a you know anything they need to change or mend from maybe what they're used to or what's a you know any any parting advice not really everyone's different everyone's job is different it is such a big scope i just say you know if you've got a resume i wouldn't wouldn't probably go beyond four pages that, you know, the most recent five years are, are the most important and be specific with your experience. And you guys can go look to my LinkedIn profile and take a look at it again. My, my, my position was so long that it, it's kind of lengthy on the, the job, but that's the only reason why. Um, and you'll, you'll get hit up um, and just apply to the right jobs. Like, don't expect to get a call back if you're a dev and you're applying to a, I don't know, senior server administrator role. Hey, you want to do it, but you don't have any skills in it yet. Stuff like that. Right. My uh, one advice I gave to someone I was talking to recently um, was, you know, whatever you've, whatever you're done or whatever you're doing, own it. You know, there's, there's absolutely does no good being an Eeyore. Um, you know, wh- when you're talking about what you've done, kind of be proud of it, you know, don't, yeah, don't, oh boy. yeah, be proud of your work. Right. And, and don't, again, don't talk negative, no matter what your relationship was with your, your previous employer, just don't spend that much time on, on them. Don't, don't talk negative about them. I mean, there's a reason you work there at the beginning. Remember that focus on the positives and just, Try to stay positive throughout the conversation, no matter what happened to you. Well, that's Susie. She was a son of a bitch. Let me tell you. <laughs> you can have those conversations a couple months into your job. <laughs> fair, fair. Well, uh, hey, I can't thank you enough for your time, Matt Turner. Uh, we'll put we'll put your LinkedIn on your uh, um, uh, on the post notes, post show notes. But uh, sincerely appreciate the time and uh, best of luck in your new endeavor. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully I'll uh, see you guys on the 24th. Look forward to it. On behalf, uh, we're going to end things for episode 429 of the IT and the D show. On behalf of uh, Bob and Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. See you next week. Drive careful. Beat it.